0: What's up, my friends, and welcome to the Real Estate Momentum Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, and today we talk with Eric Stanyo, a friend of mine who's been in the real estate game for about three years now. And he goes over how he found success early on in the real estate business through using some skills and some work ethic that he's had through other industries. Hope you enjoy the show. We're recording. So what's up, everybody? Aaron Smith here. Uh, this is the Real Estate Momentum Podcast, and I've asked a special friend of mine, who I've known for a few years now, to join me because I'm a big fan of uh, of accountability and focus because uh, those are things that I'm working on myself a lot. And when I think of accountability and focus, from the outside looking in, I think of my friend Eric Stanio with uh, Team
1: Stanio and Stanio and Sons. What's up, Eric? What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. really in focus.
0: Wow. You know, it's always it's always fun to find out what what people associate you with, you know? Like um you may not have thought that I felt that way about you, but
1: uh, yeah, I think what I normally get in the office is like introverted jerk. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> probably what I think most people think of. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can call when, it focus.
0: You know, like you, you think jerk um you know, that that may come with some some sense of unapproachability though, you know, like you, you're unapproachable because you're focused on what you're trying to do and you're trying to get things done. And you're in a real estate office, not a single person in that office is going to buy or sell a house with you. So you got to stay focused on your prospects and it's not that you're being a jerk. I respect the fact that when you get your headphones on and you're you're getting things done, And at the end of the day, you're just uh, you're grinding it out, which a lot of people don't have that that sense of focus.
1: Yeah, these are facts. When I first got started, I bought these things right here. And, you know, I didn't I couldn't afford an office rental yet. So I had to sit in the um, open public space. But I just like I would walk into the office with those things and be like, don't mess with me, people.
0: Yeah, those things were your office. You know, you had those over ear headphones and like that's that was your way to kind of shut the world out.
1: That was a very cheap office space rental, like a hundred bucks or whatever on Facebook marketplace.
0: And, and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't you gone through a couple sets of tires on those things?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) You had to order new new earpieces or something for your headphones because, uh, you, you wore them out. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, man. So just kind of going, going from there, um, you, you seem focused in your business and, you know, you got started when? When did you get rolling?
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about that this morning. I think I'm, my license uh in Ohio was either January or February of 2018. So it's been 2 years and Kentucky was like right after that. Um took and that a while. was that was just when you became licensed, right? I mean, you 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 operated
0: a business in real estate before that, correct?
1: Yeah, so I got started by doing um, some wholesaling and but really, it was kind of by accident, I fell into it. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into the background, but I've been doing internet marketing for like 10 years and ran my own marketing business. So I was doing mostly like search engine optimization, website building and development, social media management, that kind of stuff. Um, and so I was, I was fairly comfortable with getting leads online and how that world worked. And, uh, but I was having kind of like a crisis work wise because, um, for me, kind of the short story of how I got into real estate, I, I have, uh, five kids. I've been married 14 years. We have five kids, which, um, the chances of at least one of them interrupting this podcast are <laughs> extremely high. Um, so just put that out there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me that, what was really important in my life was like this fatherhood narrative and family. And it became so important that my work was suffering. And I had some clients who were like, yeah, I had some clients drop me on the internet marketing side because they're like, we don't think you're going to get ever give us as much on this side as you, because you care so much about your family. And I was like, Ooh, um, that's, that's a problem. Um, And it was true.
0: It seems like the values just weren't in alignment with that company then, right?
1: No question. Um, And it was totally true. So I I spent about a year, it was actually about a two-year journey where I was really introspective about work in general. And um, uh, I read a book by uh, a pastor out of New York named Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. And um, that book really elevated work for me. Uh, well, I should say this side in my analogy, if you're watching this um, to the point where I was like, oh man, I really want to work now. I've, I've never really had this feeling before everything I was doing. Cause out of college, I did like volunteer youth ministry for like five years. And once I started having a family, then I was like, oh, okay, money might help feed my kids. That could be a good thing. But then the narrative got really shifted to like, oh no, I want to build assets for my family. And I want to free up time so that I can do more things with my family, um, and that was a completely different shift from when I was right out of college and doing volunteer youth ministry, which did not pay the bills at all. I lived in the house with like eight dudes, um, so yeah. That, so I made that that shift, and uh, once I once I realized I wanted to work, then I started asking the question: What work should I be doing? And um, Kind of honestly, I was doing all those personality tests and strengths finders and all that. um, And I had avoided real estate. I'd done some real estate investing a little bit and had dipped my toe in that water. Um, But I avoided being an agent because the idea in my mind was an agent uh, is on the phone all the time and they're working nights and weekends. And like that didn't mesh with the family lifestyle that I wanted. Um, but then I, uh, so then I got into wholesaling and I was like, Hey, if nothing else, um, I'm going to, I'm good at getting internet leads. So I'm going to, why don't, why not do this for something expensive? How about houses? I I know a little bit about that. And I started getting leads and, um, for, from motivated sellers. And the way wholesaling works is you get a property under contract and then you go sell that contract to another investor. And so I, I had my first one under contract and I went to sell it. And another local wholesaler, I, I put it on bigger pockets, which is like a big investment website. And another local wholesaler saw me and was like, Hey, you can't do that. That's illegal. I was like, What? Like this entire there's like thousands of these on this website. He's like, No, you're saying that this house is for sale and you're not a licensed real estate agent. You can only say this contract is for sale.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing in wholesaling,
1: right? You're not really selling the house. You're selling the interest in the property. Exactly right. And so um, I was like, me I, as a rule follower <laughs> was like, oh, no, I don't Freaked want to bring you rules. Out a bit. Yeah, and get in trouble. And so I went and got, uh, I signed up at Hondros for my license. And when I opened up the first chapter of, the, well, of like, this is what it's like to be a real estate agent. It finally dawned on me because everything I was reading on that list was like all these strengths finder tests and everything I was reading about myself for the past year and a half, two years. I'm like, oh, this is totally what I should like, this is me. This is me. This is what I should be doing. Um, and the light bulb went off. And so, yeah, that was about two and a that was about two years ago, uh, a little over two and a half in between there. Like I was literally. Doing my real estate licensing while my wife in the delivery room while my wife was giving birth to our fourth child. <laughs> my goodness, this is <laughs> because crazy. Uh, yeah, the other three kids weren't around, and I could actually do some studying. So,
0: <laughs> man, well, so that that kind of brings me right back to to the whole the start of this whole thing of our conversation here was, you know, you got five kids, you're you're running a business that includes um, a wholesale style investment, uh, you know, real estate investment, and then you've got a real estate. Uh, agency business, your brokerage. I mean, how do you keep focus? I mean, as an agent, there's, and, and as an agent myself, I know there's so many things going on. What do you, what like, what kind of discipline do you have to have to to keep you on track? Yeah. Or is this just an illusion? Am I am I like just kind of feeling this
1: way, and it's not really the case? Well, it's um honestly, it's been an ongoing experiment for me on like which lane to choose. Um, And up until this point, I've kept both lanes open. The first year, I had no money and I had zero like real estate experience. And so I was doing the wholesaling thing um, and it was working, you know, I'd sell a contract and I'd get a few thousand dollars. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Um, But then the second year in real estate, people started, like my sphere started seeing like, oh, he's been in real estate for a year and he hasn't failed. And like, so I started to get... (laughs) you know, those referrals and, um, you know, business from friends friends, and more of my sphere came in and I capped in Keller Williams. And then the commission started getting real. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should go down that path. And so, um, so I'm, and then like at the end of last year, the investment side took off again. And so like, but they both feed each other um, is what I've noticed. That's been really helpful. And so on the, on the investor side and the wholesaling side, I I go out, when I meet with a with a seller, um, they usually find me from my We Buy Houses marketing, and so people have a kind of a preconceived notion of what a cash buyer might be like when they come out to them. Of like, okay, I'm going to get a really super low, you know, offer, and the guy might try to like strong arm me. And I come in like with the exact opposite approach. Um, I hand them my like really nice Keller Williams business card. <laughs> And, and then I come in and I I just like my presentation generally with these sellers is like, here's the cash offer. And here's where, why it might make sense. If you need to get out really fast, if you don't want to do anything to the property and you know, if you're okay, taking a discount because we want to make a profit flipping the house and everyone I talk to when they, when some when a motivated seller calls someone, they like totally get that. They're like, yeah, I understand you're here to make money. Um and but then I also will say okay and if that doesn't fit for you and I'll make some judgment calls based on what they're telling me their motivation is, what the property condition is, and then cuz usually I'll bring with me comps and I'll say or hey you can list it on the market and it might not be top value of the market, maybe there's still some repairs to do, but even if you list it at say like 80 or 90% of the top value and after you pay the commissions um you might net x thousand dollars more if you're willing to wait two more months and list the house on them and so I give them options I realize in I'm not answering your question at all about being focused
0: <laughs> no but I mean it, it's I mean and it kind of speaks to like so this is me looking past the focus that I normally see with Eric and it's like there's so many things going on behind the scenes however you I mean sales wise you seem focused because you work your pipeline and you focus on the stuff the people who are ready to meet today is, is is kind of the thing, but you bring up a good point because, um, there's this, there's this, um, I don't know what you call it, this environment in real estate, where when you're a real estate wholesaler, people have preconceived notions of what you are. And then when you're a real estate agent, people have preconceived notions of what you are. However, when you walk in, it's almost like you're surprising people because you've got all of it. And you're like, hey, look, if your motivation is to get top dollar, I can give you some guidance on getting your house listed and selling it for the most you possibly can. If your motivation is that you don't want to do any repairs and you are you just want to be relieved of having this house, I can make you an offer that is fair for what I'm able to provide you. And then, you know, so you're you're offering options and solutions, which that's a huge value to some people in depending on their situation, you know?
1: Yeah, no question. And to me, I mean, going back to the focus question for me, making a career switch when I had four kids, you know, um, and, and also knowing the turnover rates in real estate going into it of like, you know, what, what is it? One out of, Or eight out of ten won't be there in five years. Is that right? Yeah, it's something.
0: Eighty something percent of agents who pass their test and get their license are gone in eighteen months. And I, you know, I mean, that's a whole podcast on itself. On, you know, what causes people to get into real estate and what aren't they doing? That so
1: yeah. So it was a giant risk to move into the industry. Um, Fortunately, my wife and I like. I feel like every time we've gotten pregnant or had a kid. I've either lost a job or like lost income in some way. So we were kind of used to like taking a risk, um, and I had some skills that I could fall back on if it didn't work. Um, and honestly, it, it worked. I was I had a few clients in the marketing uh, business, but like within about a quarter, I was able to be like, "I to my wife, I I, I, can, I think I can do this full time." And so we made the the leap, and it's just kind of taken off. So you know. Knowing the turnover rates and also knowing like where I have a big family vision for where I want to be as well. And what I want to do with my time. And so all of that stuff I had in my fatherhood world of what I would like to do with my family and my time still exists. And now I'm realizing like, Oh, this real estate engine can help me get there. And so I'm just like trying to be laser beam focused into getting there as quickly as I can. So, you
0: know, that, that kind of buttons, that whole question up there with, you know, the thing that keeps you focused is the vision of where you want to be. Um, you know, I find myself, you know, my feet hit the floor, the world happens to me, this email that, you know, deals falling apart or coming together or negotiations. It's easy to lose sight of that vision. So is there a routine or a ritual that you have on a regular basis that kind of keeps you grounded into that vision
1: that kind of calls you back to, you know, getting things done? Yeah. I mean, I I set my goals every year. I put those in front of me. Um, when I first got going, uh, I read a millionaire real estate agent. Um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty highly skeptical person. I would agree (laughs) Um, with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Aaron was my coach. And so he knows like, um, I'm going to question, I'm like going to put my thumb on it. Like, what about this? And, uh, And but even reading that the first time around, um, a few things popped to me. And the and the one big thing of that was like you need to lead lead generation is the base of this pyramid. And if you're just getting started in this business or if you are 30 years in the business, everything comes back to are you generating leads? And and it was just like, yeah, that that was really simple. And that stuck with me early on. Um, You know, one of the great things about. Keller Williams that I found when I first got into it was like um, my first coach before, before I had you actually, Brian Smith. um, I have, he, he, he was making this point in a coaching class. You've got to lead generate every day. I don't care how you do it. Just lead generate. And that I don't care how you do it. was a really important thing for me because I had failed out of two other sales jobs, like out of college. I, I sold health insurance terribly And then I got into financial planning and did my series seven and 63 and was like selling life insurance and uh, managing portfolio. But I was like, you know, 25 trying to manage 50 somethings like, you know, And, and their training for lead generation was like they dropped a phone book on the desk and they're like, go at it. And like me, that's like for an introvert, that's like the most terrifying thing in the world.
0: Yeah. Out of the frying pan, right into the fire. It's like,
1: you know get after it. And, yeah, and that's, so, that's intimidating. So all my family and friends have life insurance and I sold nothing else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much, man. I mean, and, and that's, that's like, what,
1: and so, yeah, when I came into real estate, I realized like, Oh, I've d- this is the same thing. Like, and if you don't know how to lead generate, um, beyond your family and friends, that's the 80% who burn out, right? Like everyone could sell a house. They're going to have some people who are going to be like, yeah, I'll give you this deal. And, but if you can't, produce past that and so because I had that experience like 15 years earlier I realized oh I've played this game before but now I had the 10 plus years of internet marketing experience where I'm like okay uh I know how to generate leads online combined with the Keller Williams you know like shouting at you of like (laughs) lead generate every day and I just took those two really basic simple ideas and just you know went after that and that so that's a habit that like that I'm insanely focused on.
0: Yeah. And you make a good point there because I, I I never really thought about it in the way that you're describing it right there where, you know, the, the agents who kind of, they get in, they burn hot for a year, or maybe they don't burn hot at all. They're just in it for the year. You know, they, they kind of just churn through their friends and family and then, um, they've either made great relationships there or they haven't. And they—if you've made great relationships and gotten some referrals, maybe you can sustain through that first year and kind of work your way out. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to lead generation, like today, obviously you, it clicked for you early on because you had some experience. You kind of kind of went through some times where it was like, okay, well, you know, lead generate. Here you go, and you kind of work through some bugs there. Fast forward till to, to today. You know, so let's let's say that you got started in real estate today. Um, well, aside from the you know the pandemic of coronavirus and all that stuff that we're going through, let's just say, like clean slate. You got started in real estate today. How would you have done things differently today if you could start over?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, can I share a few things that I feel like I did right? first and then I love it yeah it. go for it um, because yeah that I mean that statistic of people burning out and not making it that was very real to me as a father of four at the time it's like I've this has got to work like do you feel um, like that the fear of being
0: one of those statistics you feel like the fear of, of falling out of that moved you no question
1: and I, I mean even my first phone call with um, our market center administrator um, or she was like assistant team leader whatever her role was at the time I was like, hey, and I was I, I knew nothing about the real estate career. And I was calling her and I was learning about it. And like um I was like, okay, if I like crush it my first year, like if I have a really good first year, how much will I make? And she said, uh, like 35,000. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, like my family's gonna starve. <laughs> but I think um, you know, some of the things I did right. When I first came in, um, you know, I kind of mentioned I had that self-employment experience already. And so I knew how to work. Like I knew how to discipline myself. I knew like how to put in a day's work and while having freedom, I knew how to buy headphones and be like, none of these conversations in the office are going to help me make money for my family. Right. So, um, which, which for anybody listening, that is a key point right there. The
0: fact that you can you can be disciplined enough to choose your conversations because you only have 24 hours in a day. So the fact that like, that's why I respect the headphones. Like that, that's your hashtag respect the headphones because <laughs> um, you know, that, that focus, but yeah, go on. You, you were talking about, uh,
1: you know. Yeah. Well, it's 24 hours. Well, I look at some people that are like, Oh, I've got one kid. And I'm like, or two kids. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's hard. Um, because like, I don't have the evenings, you know, like, so when I see single people or people, you know, married with no kids, I'm like, what are you doing? Get out there and get it done. You know, like you've got so much time. I've got like this window and that's it. So don't talk to me. Um, (laughs) So um, that was one thing, you know, I knew how to work. I knew how to put my head down. I I had some of that lead generating experience. So you know, I put my head down on SEO and content and AdWords and some social stuff. I think that helped. Um, I also knew early on that, like, I didn't know anything. And and so I went to coaching diligently, you know, and was taking notes and was asking questions. And I went to a lot of training classes early on. And that was, I mean, a huge reason, again, why I picked Keller Williams. I, I had a friend who's an agent with another brokerage he was my agent. He'd been doing it 15 years. And I was like, Hey, I didn't interview anywhere. I just asked my friend. I was like, if you were starting all over, where would you go? And I was like, I need to be trained. Cause I know nothing. I had read Malcolm Gladwell's book of the like 10,000 hours thing to become an expert outliers. Yeah. That's a good and book. so I was like, okay, this is going to take me five years to be any good at this. You know so I, yeah, there you go there you go <laughs> right on the um, shelf. So I was very um realistic and pragmatic I think about like knowing that it's going to probably suck the first 2 years before I ramp up um and so I went to coaching that was another thing like I mean I asked you questions all, Aaron was my coach he was fantastic he's still my coach I still paying him on stage. Hey, that's all the time. that's
0: that's part of the part of the thing. Um,
1: and then uh, the last thing I would say I did pretty well early on that's related to that is um, then I started filtering training and filtering ideas and filtering conversation because uh, there's so much uh, within Keller Williams and within the other like experienced agents in the brokerage. I love that there are resources and you can talk to those people. But as I started to go to like more and more classes, I realized everyone's kind of doing their own thing And there's different styles, you know, there's the sphere networking where all you do is Denise Kesterman, like throw parties, you know, like take care of people and like it works, you know, and then there's, you know, there's the Jen Mertland, like for sale by owner expired, you know, like militantly and, you know, there's all these different ways to do it. And can you hear my, I love it, dude. Yeah, Mine
0: was just doing the same thing in the other room. That's part of the life right now. Um,
1: And so, uh. I think that was another thing I did well was like once I knew, once I found something that was working for me and kind of, because I had that experience with it, it matched my personality. I knew I could crank away at building content and doing more of an inbound marketing strategy. And then the sphere and referral would like build on top of that. That's that's kind of my approach. I just ran with it and, and stuck my head down. I kind of stopped going to like any classes that would side rail me, uh, is that the right word? Like derail me off of that track, um, because it can be overwhelming. You can, there's a million new good ideas out there, but it, that can keep you from sticking, putting your head down and doing just what can work.
0: Yeah. So you, you made a conscious choice. You're like, Hey, I've, I've kind of found a groove here of what I need. So we go through this and this is a coaching thing. You know, you go through the, the. Uh, unconscious incompetence, like the I don't know what I don't know, and then you figured out, okay, I know what I don't know, and then you found out, okay, okay, I know where to go find that, and then everything else just fell off to the wayside. And now you're you've learned a lot of skills and and you've adapted a mindset so that you know usually if it's not pertinent or relevant, it just kind of falls off to the side and you, you've got this muscle memory now of your business. So now you can focus on creating the conversations and everything just happens naturally.
1: Yes. And, and that doesn't mean I don't have so much more to learn because I do. And I know I do. I'm just like, when I realize I need the next thing to grow, I only focus on that one thing, for example. So you have, so you, the question was like, what would I do differently? Um, I just hired my first assistant. And, um, and then COVID-19 happens. And so (laughs) I spent, um, you know, I spent probably six months or so, um, reading the career visioning book and like watching all those videos on like how to hire, um, like something I would do differently is I think I would have hired help earlier, like, um, in some capacity. And you kept giving me that, (laughs) that advice. But the other thing like like a mistake I may have made is like I play in the, in the MREA in the millionaire real estate agent, they say play red light, green light with your finances. And, um, meaning like you lead with revenue and you, you, you really careful with where you add new expenses. I historically in my life am like cheap and frugal and lead with like expense hacking as opposed to spending on marketing or something like that. And I think that, bit me a little bit on some of my growth in not using a contract to close person like earlier on. So I'm handling all this contract to close business where I could have been doing more lead generating. For those of you who are listening, we're going to stitch this thing back together. We had a temporary lapse of internet
0: service, Uh, but well, Eric was, we were talking about staying focused and, you know, the training that you that you took you you got to a point where you're like okay this stuff is not relevant so as you progress through the the months of your real estate career you started looking at okay hiring transaction coordinator versus hiring an in-house uh administrative assistant um you took the career visioning classes so that as a business owner you knew what to look for and you knew what other you other people had failed at hiring and wrote a book on it before so you basically um did all that. So at that point in your business, I mean, that was a pretty serious decision for you.
1: Big decision. Um, Yeah. There was the financial side and then just making sure I could manage the right way and put that person. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a different skill set, right. Than being an agent, being a, more of a leader and a manager. So I think, you know, if I were, um, if, if I were going back and, and thinking about like, going forward, I know that I have a ton more to learn. And, um, you know, if I would have changed, I think the original question was like, what would you have changed differently? I think um, maybe it took some time because others out there might be as highly skeptical as I am. Um, But I think over the course of the first into the second year, my shift changed on like, on MREA in particular and Keller Williams like training, I'm like, okay, I'm in on this, this works. These are people who are way more successful than I am. Like I'm going to, I'm going to follow the models as much as I can, but I, but I've been trying to do so in like increments and keeping the noise out, if that makes sense. So yeah, the career visioning I've I've made the higher, it, it may be too early to tell, you know, <clears throat> I listened to the audible of MREA and at the end he's interviewing with the, um, is it Jay Papison? I think he is. Yeah. And, and they say, um, how much if you're if you're doing 5 million in in gross uh, sales right before you had an assistant the question was if you hire the right assistant how much should you expect to do in the, in the next year and the answer was 10 to 15 million.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: i would agree with and that and i was, was like whoa <laughs> that's a big number and, well, so, and i mean you understand why that is Totally. I mean, you've got that. Now we've got leads, but now I'm stacking on the leverage, right? Yeah. And
0: I mean, if you look at that 80-20 rule, man, like that 20% of your activities is you with the headphones on and you're grinding out the follow-up and you're following up on the leads that you're getting and you're connecting with people and you're just getting stuff done. If you could do that, take that 20% and make it 60% of your time because you've got somebody else focusing on printing the flyers and following up the lenders and all that. Yeah. There's no reason why your business shouldn't double, you know?
1: And, and I heard, I heard so many people say that I read it in the book, you know, and still like, I don't know if it's, there's something about there's a perfectionist nature in me. That's part of it. And a lot of people who I think become self-employed or have been in that world a lot, it's the whole e-myth thing, right? Where you're a great operator, but you're a terrible CEO or you're, what are the other two? Um, manager and entrepreneur, right? And so I think I historically am a good operator and I'm like, I'm I'm great at making photoshop sold signs and like throwing them on facebook or whatever the stupid thing is where i can waste all that time you're talking about um but all of that time is not going to bring in a new appointment that's going to lead to more revenue and so um yeah i you know i'm in the middle of that experiment my assistant's been hired for uh, 60 days now we're in the middle of 30 60 90 and you know we're training via zoom <laughs> So here's,
0: here's some, I mean, and by no means is this a Keller Williams podcast. This is, you know, you and I happen to be agents at Keller Williams for, for reasons that we both chose, but you mentioned something and this kind of goes along with your growth plan here. Before you got your real estate license, you sought out somebody who had been with another company before you asked, you, 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 obviously you trusted this person and they told you to come to Keller Williams or they gave you some advice that Keller Williams was included in. You know, you don't have to name any specific companies or anything specific, but you know, so obviously Keller Williams has a has a training component that is is regarded highly to some people. What do you feel like if you go to a different company, or I mean, how? What are other companies doing, in your opinion, that you've seen out there as far as training their agents?
1: Yeah, I'm probably not the best person for this answer or for this question, um, just because I don't know. Like, you haven't, haven't
0: really looked into it that much. Okay.
1: <laughs> like my my experience was I talked to that friend of mine who was an agent. Um I went to YouTube and searched Gary Keller and I watched one video to see if I thought he was legit or not. Um so you, and, you actually sought leadership. So you went and looked for Gary
0: Keller and said, What's this guy talking about? And do I would I follow this person?
1: Yes. That's okay. a big deal for me. And so and then the and the third piece of the the third piece of the puzzle for me was the mission and value. Uh, mission, vision, value statement of the company, and that had me sold. And so the only thing after that was um, testing it out and seeing if it was legit or not. Like, it would would that translate from top level leadership down to the local level? And um, and and that's you know that's probably what I did the first year was test that out as in my skeptical nature. But yeah, so everything I've seen has been great. I'm you know I don't know what other people are doing. I, I literally. Once I made the decision of Keller Williams, I just Google mapped the closest one to my house and called them and said, I'm coming. <laughs> so I was probably the easiest recruit like in the history of real estate.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who can really overthink that process of who do I affiliate my brokerage with? And, um, but there's a lot of people who could probably underthink it, you know, like, somebody told me and this is probably quoted from somebody who's like super famous and notable for this quote but there is no greater determiner of your success than your environment you know like if, if i started off with a company that they didn't believe in prospecting it was more like hey do open houses and send out postcards like yeah i would have probably had some success because of the fabric that i'm cut from you know like you said you I, I like to work. I know how to work. And there, you know, I might, I might not be the smartest agent in the room, but nobody's going to outwork me kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't really do that homework. Like you sought out leadership and just the environment more than anything. And then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get in. I know what I'm made of.
1: Yeah. And, and then I think it's proven itself out to be true. I, like That friend of mine, he, he said, Keller Williams, her training is great. He's like, they can get a little bit rah-rah in their brand. <laughs> and like, and so I was like watching that, you know, when I first come in, everyone's like bold and family reunion. Blah, and like, I still, I was, I've been very slow and with four kids. And then the fifth one, like I, sh- I haven't done that stuff. Um, even at the ALC meeting, the first one I went to, you saw like how skeptical I was. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, all right. I, I just, that's, you know, that's just something that's within me. But um you know, it's proven itself over time, like everything I've tested with, it keeps revealing itself to be like, oh, yeah, this is tested and proven. Um, it's proven itself to be trustworthy to me. Now, that doesn't mean there's not other good brokerages out there. I'm sure, you know, you can do this in any, uh, you know, in any brokerage, but like, yeah, I've been super, I have no reason to go look anywhere else.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I, you and I both have friends that are at other brokerages and they're doing very well and it, it, their brokerage is probably the best fit for them for the business that they run. And that's okay. And I think, you know, Keller Williams has like that open door mentality. It's like, look, you know, if you're a good fit, we'd love to have you here. If you're not, we get it. You know, they've got that. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, Moving forward, I got a a couple of questions because um, last year and moving forward to this year, I got on a big kick with habits and I know you and I had kind of talked about a habit tracker and you had this thing all color coded out. It was a spreadsheet and um, it was very detailed and you were, you were rocking and rolling on that. So let's talk about habits for a second. Like when I, when I bring up your habits, you know, good or bad, like what are, what are some things that you're working on right now that to get better at?
1: yeah or that um, have helped you you know thus far yeah that was I, I should get back into that spreadsheet. that thing really helped me out um it was like it was like take your daily your morning routine your evening, and then it was literally you know so there might be ten habits you want to do each day, and some of them were like, Get up, uh <laughs> stretch and exercise, you know, like pray for twenty or whatever you know like eat lunch and like And, but you go through each day and you just put a green block or a red block in. Like, did I do it or did I not? And um, as the week goes on, you see like either a bunch of green or a bunch of red and those all translate. That was really helpful for me to get into a rhythm. Um, But I mean, good habits. We we were talking about the lead gen before. Um, I think I did that long enough where that is in, I don't do it every single morning at the same time. I don't put like a thing on my door um lately what i've been doing a lot of my lead gen has been on this tiktok thing that i've been experimenting with but um you know but there's something of that rhythm that i do every day and like when i it's such a good habit of mine that when i know i haven't lead gen or followed up you feel it i'm like oh my gosh i'm behind and even if you have like three closings that week but you haven't been lead genning there's like when you train it into you you're like next month is going to suck because like I haven't done my lead gen this week and I know it. And, uh, I think as an, as a new agent, it's easy to be like, Oh, I've got a closing or two this month. And so I'm good. And you can coast and not hit those habits. Um, not not realizing how it's going to affect you the, the next month or two. Um, other habits that I think I'm, uh, that I do, um, I'm, I'm very responsive to my clients. Um, you know, I'm learning how to do that with my assistant, but, Um, that's just the nature of mine, um, in terms of being really quick on that stuff. I'm really diligent about details. Um, my, my customer service can get a lot better, um, because I'm good at responding. I haven't been good at being proactive and that's where I'm hoping this assistant will really help me out. Um, and then maybe the other biggest thing that I do that's probably really helpful for me is I structure my week around a day of complete rest. And so, and I do it from it's kind of like real estate agent suicide, but I do it from Friday day, not Friday night to Saturday night. And in that time, I do my very best to shut everything down. Um, and that's time for me to be with my family, to recharge, to eat good food, to just lay around the house or go for a hike with my kids. Um, my wife just enjoy that day. Now it gets interrupted sometimes by negotiations, you know, stuff you have to do, but um that's a pillar in our rhythm uh for my family that i think is a really really good habit for us um yeah. and, I,
0: and i think things like that like when you block in a day off like as long as you set the expectation with your clients it's like hey from friday night until saturday night you probably won't be able to get in touch with me as long as you set the expectation and that's the thing about real estate most of the time as long as expectations are managed In in advance, you can pretty much do whatever you want to, as long as you've leveraged it or set the expectations.
1: And and that's the thing. Going back to when I said, like, I didn't want to be an agent early on because the lifestyle I wanted to live with my family. Once I learned that you could set expectations and frame it, and it's like, oh no, this is in that self employment world. You still have that freedom. You know, the opportunity of it has made me work more than I've ever had in my life because the success has come, and I'm like, oh my gosh there's you know like I just want to work more because I want to get to my goal faster Um, but I have to I have to tamper that down along with setting the expectations for the clients and you know where as I mentioned before the the kids are really hard because they take a lot of time and a lot of energy Um, in terms of expectation setting with clients they're great because I can say hey just so you know I've got five kids and they're like whoa (laughs) you know like (laughs) and um, and you know, I say, "Hey, I'm Friday night to Saturday. I, if there's something that needs to be done, I'll do it. But we do our best to to take that day off." And they're like, "Totally." You know, like people people get that, um, and I, I use them to my benefit in, in that way, which is yeah, a hundred percent. You want some bad habits? Yeah, let me know like what
0: you've like gotten into and re- and just realized it. You know, like, oh man, that's a bad habit. Oh, that I've gotten into and just realized it. Um, Maybe not just realized it, but you, you caught yourself in a routine
1: that like, doesn't serve you. I, I mean, I think going back to that 80-20 perfectionist thing, I can, I can get into the nitty-gritty of a task and like research something online. And now it's like two hours later and I haven't eaten the frog for the day, right? Or like where I really need to follow up with these leads or take care of my taxes or whatever the thing is that I should have been doing. Um, you know, I, I find myself doing that a lot and I'm like, what, you just wasted that couple hours, you know, because you got whatever you're watching a YouTube video or got excited about some new marketing tactic or whatever it was. I, I find myself doing that a lot. That's a bad habit. And so just being better at time blocking, it's not even time blocking, right? It's being accountable to your time blocking, um, during your day and and prioritizing, and being accountable to your priorities of the day
0: it's almost like you like since you don't have a boss you are the boss you almost need like a cardboard cutout of yourself sitting in the corner saying like looking at you saying hey eric you've been on youtube for two hours watching videos on how to you know you know TikTok or crm or like whatever and it's like it's almost like we need that boss watching us but and then you know once you realize what you're doing you're like oh man i just wasted like 30 minutes doing this or whatever.
1: so I, I mentioned that spreadsheet before what i was using if this can show up is like uh, this is like a little daily work schedule and these four colored boxes down at the bottom are the like do this first it's it's all the um the four quadrants of like urgent and important less urgent but important urgent but less important and neither urgent nor important Right. And that's the, that's the seven habits of, it's the seven habits. Yeah. Stuff. And so I, um, I've been, I, I was not in a really good rhythm of, uh, kind of using that this year around and right, right. Like first thing in my day, when I sit down at my desk is what do I need to do a day? And I just make my list can delegate what things need to be delegated and kind of crank that out through the day. And I, I still am pretty well at that. I've since moved that since we're working more virtually with my assistant to Trello, a lot i don't know if you've ever used trello or not but it's um i don't know it's just like an organizer tool where you can move tasks around really easily like a project
0: run. management kind of thing where yep. activity needs to be done you can delegate it
1: yep um so yeah that's been good um but if i get off of that you know it's easy to slip out of that if that's not right in front of you uh, all the time um what other i mean the other habits for me is just like but you know, bedtime and morning routine, honestly, like, and that's that's like a lifelong battle. But I feel like so, my kids, the ages are nine, seven, four, two, and infant. Um, so my wife's getting like zero sleep. The two year old is super hard right now, the four year old is medium hard right now, <laughs> and the nine and seven year old are pretty helpful. Um, but By the time we get them all in bed and quiet, (laughs) which is like, I don't know, lately it's been like anywhere from 9.30 to 10, which it used to be like 8 to 8.30. My wife and I are just so worn out, you know, then we like, then you get into a bad rhythm of like, I just want to like eat something junky or, you know, or veg out on a stupid comedy. And then before you know, it's midnight and now you slept in till whatever, you know, Um, that's, that's a, that's just a life situation that I'm in, but that's, um, I when when I go to bed, roughly when the kids go to bed, it's so much better for me to have that time in the morning before they wake up, um, whether to have that alone time and get started on the day, as opposed to like the four year old comes into the room and the two year old to wake us up like that kicks off the day. I don't know. You're, just, already,
0: you're already playing catch up when they come into you, but if you get started and you yeah. have a good hour to get rolling it or at least get some of the frog eaten before, uh, before they wake up. Yep. Yeah. I, I get that a hundred percent. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, everything's relevant, right? I mean, you've got five kids, I've got two. And, um, you know, I feel like when I'm talking to you, Like I I got no leg to stand on there, but if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't, you know, they got one kid, I'm like, oh, I got two, you know, it's (laughs) like, it's like, but it's not a battle. We've all got these, these time sucks and things that we pay attention to that aren't serving us and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I think the main thing with habits is just realizing that, that, you know, the, the compound effect, have you ever read that with uh, Darren Hardy? That's a good one, too, because it talks. Uh, there's a, a little story in, in that book about there's three guys and one decides he's going to exercise just just an ounce more, like just a little bit more uh, in his life. Not a big change in his routine and time and all that stuff. One guy says that he's going to try one new beer a week. And then the other guy says that he's just not going to make any changes. He's just going to continue living his life the way that he's living his life. And it's like, you've got these three guys. And then as time goes on, you can't really notice much of a difference, but then the further you go down the road of these, these new habits, good or bad uh, they make a big difference in the long run. So like even somebody, if, if, if a realtor, any, any business owner really wakes up 15 minutes earlier in the day so that they can get a little bit more done. Well, over the course of a year, that's so many minutes that you can be getting one tiny little thing done. So that's why I like to focus on habits because on on the surface, like today, the habit is this big: flossing your teeth today takes like a minute, you know. But then, like twenty years from now, when I have all my teeth, that's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Versus the alternative, you know. Yeah. Um, so, one thing that I'm curious about, and I want to be respectful of your time. But I want to talk about TikTok, okay? Because like you've been all over this lately, and it's very entertaining from my seat in the stands. But what's it, <laughs> what's it doing
1: for you? I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> um, making my wife think I'm weird. It's, um, yeah, I, you know, it's this new platform and fairly new. I mean, it's been out there. It's so. a
0: it's a social media. It's a new social media thing.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a like the next gen of Vine and Snapchat where it's kind of based on short video snippets, but it's also based on a music platform fundamentally. And so those things link and you get, you know, what it's most, what most millennials know it as is like the app for 12, for teenagers, right? Or or, or pre-teens. Yeah, the
0: teeny the teeny boppers call it, you know, it's their new thing, right? It's the totally. new Snapchat. And
1: that's that's still a majority of the like the demo is excuse very young. Um and so when people, you know, it can be embarrassing for people to be like, I'm on TikTok, you know, like um like it's not something you brag about to your friends or, or... No. Yeah. <laughs> not generally. But there's also, you know, there's all these jokes about that now. So because of the quarantine, like all these millennials are coming on it and the constant meme is like, move over Gen Z. We're here to ruin it for you. And, uh, and, and so I got on it. Uh, it's been almost three months now because, um, I usually, I watch YouTube at night a lot and Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk was in my feed and he was just kept saying, get on TikTok, get on TikTok, make five videos a day because what happens when there's any new social platform and they're trying to compete against, the established Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, whatever—they what they're going to do early on is they've got to attract content creators, and the way they'll do that is by giving um, more organic reach to the early adopters than you would. Let's say if I if I did the same content on Instagram right now that I'm doing on TikTok, um, I'm going to see way more rise in TikTok right now because TikTok's kind of rewarding these early adopters who are getting into the space. And so I got it's, on it.
0: It's like a big, big fish, small pond kind of thing. Right. So Absolutely.
1: yeah. But the pond is, is growing really quickly. So the uh, last I checked they're at like 500 million users, which is like half of Instagram, it's like r- going super fast and it's got, um, so there's a lot of reach and people, you know, people are coming to, the old people are going to come. You know, like we always ruin every social platform. You know, <laughs> right. like so. Look at Facebook now. Look at Facebook. What it was and when did it launch? You know, like, like five oh seven. Five, yeah, like it was just college kids. You know, that's all it was. And and now it's all you. Now it's like the grandma. You know, like literally everybody's grandma's on Facebook. And so that's yeah. going to happen. That happens in any platform. But um, so I I got on it because I realized, oh, there's a there's a land grab opportunity right now. Um, There's a there's a certain window in time where if I try to get in and become a leader, I've got a head start against all the other real estate content creators who might come to this platform in the coming months or year.
0: So so you're using Tic Tac without really clear vision on what it's going to lead to. But what you're saying is like, I'm going to pick up market share and a following here. And that following is worth something in the future, whether it's a referral business, you know, agents follow you from outside our area and they can refer business in. Or, well, I mean, what's, what, what are the potential plays for that?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think there's several potential plays. And this will get into my marketing background a little bit. So I, I come from the SEO world and uh, search engine optimization, trying to rank a piece of content on Google. And the way you did that was make some, something really good and then try to link to it. And what I because like that was like my roots of marketing, I kind of like was always pretty bad at social media when it kind of like rose on the scene because I was always more about like link building and content blog posts creating stuff like that. And then when but when social came and and these influencers started rising on this different on these different platforms, what you have when you have social is you can point this giant fan base to any piece of content you want. And instantly from that SEO standpoint, poof, it like rises, you know, really big because you've got all these these social metrics are triggering Google's algorithm of like, oh, this must be important because now all these people are going to this thing. And I I neglected that over the years. And now, um, you know, I'm realizing like, Oh, I've got an opportunity to build a fan base. And so, to your point, how do I make money on it? <laughs> um, that's a, so, yeah, I think the first, when I first got on it, I was looking at other realtors who had maybe 20, 30, up to 50,000 followers. And I started reading their comments. And I'm like, are people, at, and it's not just realtors, I was looking at, um, you know, lenders, other professions too. And I wanted to see are people just doing stupid comments or are there some comments of like, um, that are business related. And I started to see some that were like, man, I wish you were my realtor, but I live in Georgia or Nevada or whatever. And then I would see the content creator respond, like, oh, let me, like, DM me. I'll hook you up with a referral. And like, pink, like, light bulb went on for me with real estate and with Keller Williams' great, you know, referral network. I can make, I can make, I can reach a large audience, not only in the US, but actually international. And if someone is buying or selling, I can remember if they come to me for the referral, so that's one way to make money, right? The referral. Um, There's some local attraction too where, um, so I've been taking the TikTok and I've been posting it on my Facebook and Instagram stories. And now more people in my sphere than definitely in my past by far, probably by a multiple of two or three are like, oh, I see your TikToks. I see you all the time. So I'm using it. Locally, for my sphere because they they might not be on TikTok yet, but they are on Facebook and Facebook and Instagram, and so I'm getting a lot of uh, I'm getting a lot of leads from my local sphere there. I think that's actually while it's actually probably more revenue right now, I think it's the smallest piece of what this thing could be um, so then, to your point, the third thing is building an audience, and I can do whatever I want with that audience down the road um, let's say TikTok becomes the ancient thing that's uncool, I can now, you know, I can try to point them to my, to whatever new platform I might, I might take that audience to. So, but there's value in having a hundred thousand people who watch what you do, right? Whatever that, or however. it,
0: It gives you influence and you've got an audience that like, if they, if they're watching your videos and I've watched some of your TikTok videos where you're uh, you're talking about building wealth and, um, you know, growing a real estate investment portfolio and people who are gra- who gravitate to that follow you. And then let's say that, um, you know, some other platform pops up and you're, you know, you post something on that platform and then you, you cross pollinate, if you will, with TikTok. Well, now they're, they're going to, when they join the new thing, they get
1: to go follow you there because they've been following you for this amount of time. So, um, and then you know, and then there's traditional influencer revenue models, which is what most people are trying to get on a platform uh, are trying to how they're trying to make money, which is you make money by uh, having a sponsor, right? Like who's paying for advertisement, and you do some video to a sponsor. Um, or uh, on TikTok itself, the the way you can make revenue income is you go live, and people can actually kind of it's kind of like a Patreon thing right on it, where they give you like points. And uh, you can make money right on it, um, so there's you know there's ways just the traditional influencer revenue models uh, selling advertising in that way as well um, to make money on it
0: but but essentially you're going full bore into this thing because you see the potential in, in getting in early to grow, and it's it's also establishing mind share with your people right you're taking your tiktok videos you're putting them on all platforms and then it's entertaining people while also giving them a a few education nuggets and i mean you know as well as i do people don't always go with the best realtor for them they go with the one that is most memorable that's right you know they go with the one that they remember the most and the stuff that you put out there i mean for me it's memorable i'd hire you
1: yeah (laughs) thank you uh let me know when you're ready to buy or sell. Um, So, yeah, that, and that was one of the early things. when I, My first read-through millionaire real estate agent was that mindshare piece that really stood out to me of, like, people know 10 realtors, but they only keep two in their mind. And so, um, yeah, so for, for me, I, I'm doing a recording like this or a video. I can do that stuff all day. Going back to some of my bad habits in the past I'd make a YouTube video and I'd spend all day on it and turn it into a blog post. And I'm spending all my time doing that. What I'm doing right now during COVID-19 is I bought a $10 Udemy uh, iMovie training for my assistant. I said, go watch this, (laughs) become an iMovie editing expert. So she's learning how to do my blog posts, how to do social, how to edit my. And so um, right now I'm starting on TikTok, but uh, what I'll probably do is, do a longer form piece of content like this. Cause this, the amount of things we've said in this video alone is probably like 30 or 40 TikToks. Like yeah, there's a lot of little information pieces in there when there's 15 second clips. I mean, we've been talking for an hour probably. I don't know how long we've been talking, but like um, you know, you could take the, the nuggets from this thing and turn it into so much content. You just have to have the, you know, the team and the systems in place to do that. So yeah. that's the direction I'm heading with it um, and I'm kind of rolling the dice with it. you know it's not totally paying off yet, except for some local referrals um people seeing it but yeah i'm I'm rolling the dice thinking like this I think this will pay off down the road, and I'm going to grab the market share while I can
0: yeah, and at the very least it's r o i net positive right now for with the little you know the referrals and the stuff that you've gotten, you know if it leads to something crazy big, even better, you know. Right. Um, so, uh, wrapping up, you know, just kind of want to get to know you a little bit better with this question. What's the next 20 years going to look like for you? Where, where, where do you see yourself
1: in 20 years? What are you building? Yeah. Um, well, so in 20 years, I, I had to write down the ages here. My I'll be 58. I'm 38 right now. Uh, my wife will be 54. My kids will be 29, 27, 24, 22 two and 20. Um, So a big thing, the big goal I'm shooting for right now, um, like my vision of a good, of a life well lived is that when I am a grandpa and maybe even a great grandpa, I'm sitting around my dining room table. It's a big table and all of my kids and their kids are around it as well. Like that's that's what I'm aiming for, um, so, you know, family-wise, at that point in time, my my well, business-wise, my goal is that um, I've built enough assets up on the investing side that it's supporting the lifestyle I want to live. Like the assets themselves are kicking off the income, as opposed to me being in the self-employed quadrant and I have to go hunt for every little piece of income that's out there right now. So that so I'm aiming. Really, you know, really focused on generating uh assets that will produce their own income, most of that's going to be in real estate. Um, and then on the real estate side, I could see myself actually still doing this uh in 20 years. I, I like this work so much <laughs> like that two year time spent of like trying to find the right work. Like when it came, I was like, Whoa, it's the first time in my life where I, I I've always seen or heard stories or TV shows where or, or the dad or the husband like works so much and neglects the family. And it was the first time in my life where I'm like, I could see that happening because I actually like this so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real gift. Like that's a, I'm not, because I spent 10 years not having that. I'm very thankful. and very grateful for that. And so I could see myself in 20 years um, climbing this, you know, seventh level MREA um, thing here and, and kind of, Managing on top of the team, I would love to work with my kids. That's a big goal of mine. And one of the reasons originally why I really liked real estate and still do is that it's so broad um, that I could have a kid who wants to be an agent on the team, or I could have a kid who wants to flip houses and swing a hammer, or be an accountant, or be my TikTok. Like, <laughs> um, I could take over my TikTok down the road. I don't know. But I would, if, I, I want to be able to give my kids that choice. Like, I don't want to force them, but I, I would love to work with my kids. And a vision of mine is like, I think most people think with their kids, you raise them till they're 18 and then they're, they're off to go start their new family. Um, a shift that happened to me several years back was like, no, I'm part of a really big family line and it's going to keep going multi-generationally. And so I don't want to send my kids off I I don't believe in the narrative and I don't believe the narrative is best that we all have our own independent stories. I think we're part of a bigger story. Um, and so this is getting a little bit more philosophical. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. A big vision of mine is um, like, so my goal at that point in life, when my kids are in their early twenties, I want to be a grandpa who, and they're having all these little toddlers running around or they're starting I want to have time to help them with that because I know we have both of our grandparents around and, and like what a blessing it's been to have them help as we're, we're in the young family stage. And then as they grow into their 30s and 40s and I'm probably dialing down my like work uh, energy and efforts, but I'm, but I'm rising up in more of like an advisor counselor role. Like I want to be into my 60s, 70s, 80s Partnering with my kids in their businesses, and so that's where it's going. That's that's where it's all going. That's good stuff, man.
0: Um, and you know, I've I've learned a lot. I mean, you call me the coach, but I think um, at, at one point, what uh, Gary Keller even says in his book, if I've come, what, what's he say about the thing? That because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. Um, I forget the quote. But if I can see, if I can see far enough, it's because I, I've stood on the the shoulders of giants and it's just, um, you know, you can't, you can't get to a certain level without helping other people get there. And when I look back at my short coaching career that I've had thus far, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of people who, who get it. And I feel like with you, it clicked right in a lot faster than most people do, because you've had, you had some experiences and you had, an idea of what kind of work that you're good at and how to use that skill set to get you to a certain point. So, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you for uh, being a friend and and trusting me to kind of guide you to a certain point in your career. So,
1: Yeah. Well, that's 100% the other way as well. I'm, ex- I mean, I'm extremely grateful when I first got started for all those, of you who are still watching, listening to this, um, thank you. But, um, I mean, Aaron was there for me. I had so many questions because you just don't know what you don't know when you're getting. You had a you
0: had a ton of questions, and and they they were threefold. They would kind of go down in there, but um, they were for your reasons, and and it helped you move forward. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, you were. I mean, to your credit, and when I mentioned like I'm testing out Keller Williams and are these people for real? Like, I feel like you've embodied that generous. Like this is a place where we help other people in the office. And even when, like, when I get into moments of like, I should just be selfish and not help that person or just take this thing for myself. I feel like you are, you have such an abundance mentality um, when it comes to not only training, but like, I mean, even that deal the other day that you called me up, you know, like, that's just a, that's a, such a respectful thing to have. Um, I'm, So I'm so grateful, not only in getting the real estate knowledge on these specific questions of how to do the deal and the negotiations and all that, but like the way the character you have as an agent, um, if had that been somebody else or somebody with a lower amount of character that has a major impact on a, you know, on anyone you're coaching training early on. So I'm really grateful that I've had uh, the chance to, to be coached by you and to learn so many things from you.
0: Awesome man. Well, um you're a wealth of knowledge of if anybody wants to follow up with you, um you know, if they've got questions about joining your team or want to, you know, kind of siphon off of uh some of the the great wisdom that you have or follow you on TikTok or whatever. How do you want people to find you? How do you want people to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, my name the TikTok is stanyo the manyo. Um <laughs> my name I don't know. Yeah, um it's Stanyo, S-Z-T-A-N-Y-O. If you Google Eric Stanyo, there's like one of me in the world. My name's really weird. So S-Z-T-A-N-Y-O, you'll find me.
0: Yeah, and we'll have that in the show notes and any, anywhere that this video is posted or this audio is posted, we'll have your contact information in there as well. Eric, it's been a pleasure. I hope you have an awesome week. Same to you. Thanks, Aaron. Enjoy right. it. Take care, man.
1: Yeah.